How's it going, everybody? This is Andy McCullough from The Athletic here with Mark Perig, also from The Athletic. You are listening to Beyond the Scrum, a baseball podcast from The Athletic. Mark, how are you, man? I'm great, Andy. How are you? You know, Mark, if I was any better, I'd be uh, Lucas Giolito or something. Man, he's doing pretty good, huh? I guess, yeah. We should have put him on our uh, all MLB or thing. That we did. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if he had just thrown that damn no hitter two days ago, he would have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the all the all small sample size team. Like, oh, isn't that fun? Well, not fun. <laughs> it's something. I mean, did you watch any of Giolito? By the way, uh, I watched the ending. Yeah. Damn, he's really good. Yeah, and, he's a good player. And it's really, I think it's fascinating. The thing that happens a lot now is that you get these guys. I mean, look, players have always gotten better as they've gone along, right? Yeah. Always. But I think there's certain guys who have leveraged this time and place that we're in really, really well. This mm-hmm. time and place meaning where, where you've got this information, you've got instant feedback. Um, it's out there if you want it. Mm-hmm. And, and what Giolito did was beyond a little tweak, right? I mean, he remade his arm action mm-hmm. and, and, and really just took himself apart as a pitcher from the studs. And then did this. So I, I think it's just really impressive. I, I mean, I think of that when I see Bauer throw. Like, yeah. Trevor Bauer is the same way. Or, you know, like, Shane Bieber is like, I'm going to throw a cutter. It's one of the best cutters in baseball. Mm-hmm. And he just started throwing it, like, this year, right? Mm-hmm. So clearly there are people out there that are leveraging the tools at their disposal. And Giolito, to me, is, is such a great example of it. And then... Seeing what he did last night, like I, and that's what I thought anyway. It was like, man, this this is. Remember how bad he was? All the talk of after that trade, like what the White Sox had done, like this guy was like throwing three innings a night and getting lit up, right? And, and I mean, no, I don't ERA? remember that at all. I have no rec. I, like I was reading Fegan's story today, and he was talking about how bad Lucas Giolito was in 2018. I have no recollection of this. Really? Because he, he had the highest ERA. I haven't in the watched sport. baseball since like 2011. I, I don't I'm if you want to know who the good prospects are if you want to know like who's going to be the best it's jerks and profar uh you know we still got time uh for Donovan Tate like he's just developing in the minors oh um, man you know, yeah. this is like a cool little subgenre of of uh, remember some guys Let's re- yeah, let's remember yeah. some pro- prospects that did not pan out. Well, that's just a shame for those guys. Hey, speaking of uh, leveraging the tools at your disposal, if you uh, have an iPhone or wherever it is you watch podcasts and listen to podcasts, because you can't actually watch podcasts or an audio medium, you should subscribe to the show and review <laughs> us wherever you are listening. Uh, please do that. We would really appreciate it. So uh, we are going to do talk about a few things today. We're talking about, uh, you know, where you hit the midpoint of the season. Uh, and so that is not a thing that uh, some of us, myself included, thought that baseball would make it to uh, in, in, uh, in the form that they have. I, I, I was very pessimistic about the, the possibility of getting through the 2020 season, and it looks like I'm going to be wrong. And so we can talk about a little bit about that. We're going to talk about the all-athletic team, which we put together, uh, Mark and I did. And then we're going to talk about uh, the sort of uh, waiting cataclysm that is the diluted, expanded playoffs. <laughs> so. I guess, you know, like, Mark, it's fair to say, I, we're, I don't know if you were as pessimistic as I was about this enterprise, but you, I don't think you weren't, like, you know, banging the drum saying, like, what a great idea it is trying to play baseball. Am I right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I think where we differ, Andy, is that my pessimism came from even getting it off the ground. 
my thought was that there were so many things that were standing in the way of even pushing forward to start a baseball season mm-hmm. that I kind of figured it would add up to the point where they couldn't get it started at all and therefore there probably wouldn't be baseball. Yeah. Now, I think where we differ is that I, I kind of thought, and I think I've said this before, once they started this thing, it, what it would take to stop it mm-hmm. would have been That's... massive, massive, yeah. right? And like, and I don't even want to get into that because it's so dark and awful. But like, we all re- we know what we're talking. Like, it's it would have taken something devastating. Well, put it this way: it wasn't enough to have two team wide outbreaks in the first couple of weeks. Correct. That wasn't enough. Correct. So, like, you know what what we were talking about at the beginning is like, you're going to see the sports threshold for pain. And we saw it. They're willing to take a team wide outbreak so long as it doesn't go cross, uh, you know, there's no like cross team transmission, you know, as we saw with the Marlins and the Phillies. So, yeah, like that. So given all that, like that just sort of, you know, made that position stronger where like, if, if that wasn't enough, Mm-hmm. then then really what is like you you, you got to talk about some really messed up stuff and and mm-hmm. you know, let's hope it doesn't happen now obviously because I, I mean i don't want to yeah. see that but i that was my thought was that it would take it was such a high bar to clear yeah. to actually bang the season once it once it started hmm. um and you know especially now now it's like once you're halfway mm-hmm. and you know not to be overly cynical but like there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow here yeah these guys ain't <clears throat> stopping no, okay. no, no, there's, there's no too chance. much money to be made for everybody to stop the train. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and again, this is like, again, not to be overly cynical about it, but there's a reason they had player pools. They're going to throw bodies at the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've done. I mean, since Marlins weekend, Andy, there has been exactly mm-hmm. one day yep. in which every scheduled game was played. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? No one's batting an eye. Mm-hmm. Like they, right. there's like eight double headers a night and no one cares. They normalized it just like, just you know. like that. And you called that early too. Like I remember you saying that a couple of times, like that you were amazed at the capacity to normalize how bizarre everything is. And like, yeah, I mean, I caught myself doing it even yesterday. I saw all these double headers on the schedule. Didn't think twice. Yeah. You know? So yeah. yeah. And they're only seven innings. So it's nice. You know, I like, so at first, because like I, I, my first initial reaction to any change at all, like in baseball, is always negative. It's almost yeah. always negative. Mm-hmm. But man, I, and maybe we we'll circle back to this later. But I don't know, man. Seven inning games for a regular season game all the time, not the worst idea. Not the worst I, idea. I, I'm not watching either way. So like I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, you know. One of the things I was thinking about uh, with this, so there's a couple things. Like, I think it's a credit to the players and the staffers. Uh, you know, these guys on tier two, you know, who don't have unions protecting them, all these people behaving and taking it seriously. And, you know, teams like, you know, the Dodgers and the Cubs who were kind of ahead of the curve on, on some of these things, you know, like the, a week before MLB put in their stricter protocols, the Dodgers had a team meeting where they basically – put in all of the, all the protocols that ended up being put in the Dodgers, like instill, you know, in put them in uh, basically like the behest of like Justin Turner and some of the veterans. And like, I give a lot of credit to the players for taking this seriously. And frankly, like that was one of the reasons I had for skepticism is that I thought, you know, players would not comply enough. Um, I think the, the main, the main thing is that the, the possibility of uh, team to team transmission seems pretty remote. 
I guess, which allows it to keep the thing afloat and give credit to Major League Baseball for recognizing the failure of what happened with the Marlins and learning from it and not having a situation where a team can have a positive test and then everyone goes and plays again. It, it seems to me that the standard is now, if you have a positive test, your game is canceled or postponed, and then the next night's game is postponed, and possibly the entire series. You know, it, it, it goes from their initial stance was like, okay, we got one test, like isolate them, get them out of there. And they saw with the Marlins how that can go awry. So, like, it, it's not – uh, great that it took a massive outbreak to learn this and uh, there were some you know epidemiologists said this should have been the protocols from the beginning but you know I give them credit for adapting you know so that's part of the reason why it's been able to stay afloat is that they've learned from the mistakes of the first week yeah no doubt and you know and again I think they showed the wisdom if you look at that document the first two that we saw uh, mm-hmm. the protocols they built in that space for maneuverability right there were certain yeah. things that there was gray area on that was left open on purpose so that they could adapt midstream, which they've had to do. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Because of that ability, uh, they've been able to keep the thing afloat. They've gotten better at responding to certain situations. And you mm-hmm. know, I guess that's just a, the obvious reminder here, right? Like no one's ever encountered this before. So this mm-hmm. is going to happen where they're going to have to learn some things the hard way. Mm-hmm. But luckily, they have learned, right? Like, yeah. I mean, look at the Mets situation over the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, the Mets were back in play last night. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not so hot for their fans. <laughs> they got shut out <laughs> on both ends of a doubleheader. Oh, no. Yeah. They hadn't, oh, no. That had yeah. not happened since 1975. And the day that happened in 1975, they fired their manager. Oh, no. Yeah, Jeez. as a fellow I named like... Yogi Berra. No, yeah, yeah. well, it's, uh, it's not over until it's over. Mark. That's I've you know I've read that. I think I've it was John that. Updike who said that. Uh, <laughs> that was I, Emerson, but anyway. It was, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the visual of that guy bear crawling to home plate and stealing home. That was good. John Birdie, baby. John John Bertie. Uh you know, I was saying I was thinking about this, like um you can kind of look at this season in a couple ways now, right? Like on the one hand, I think f- failure is too strong because I think failure would have looked a lot more cataclysmic than this but at the same time right the play the 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 quality of play is not great um there have been uh you know the the there have been a lot of guys testing positive for covid (laughs) like it a not small number of guys have tested positive for covid there's been a significant number of arm injuries you know uh, for for pitchers there's you know other guys have gotten hurt in you know more sort of normal ways but you know you're talking about like Corey Kluber Justin Verlander uh, Mike Soroka injured his leg but it was still uh, you know a season-ending injury Shohei Otani isn't pitching Steven Strasburg has carpal tunnel Um, you know so like there's been a lot of damage to these guys um and they're setting up for a postseason that could produce a really fluky champion and that doesn't feel like a really great outcome at the same time like do you think baseball will be in a better place in 2021 for having played than for having not played i mean i would think so only because given the cost that you just laid out these guys knew what the cost would be right again they literally stockpiled bodies to throw yeah. at the infantry. That's what this is, right? So they knew what they mm-hmm. were getting into. I think the players at some level knew what they mm-hmm. were getting into. 
there's risk involved and we've mm-hmm. seen that come to the fore mm-hmm. so just based on that analysis and them knowing exactly what the cost would be potentially yeah i think the sport would be better off i think that's the only reason they would even go forth with this exercise mm-hmm. like I, I don't know how else you could justify this uh, mm-hmm. beyond trying to do something to preserve yourself in the long term now that said we're also we're also talking about the same league that's gutted the minor leagues. Yeah, it's going. Just you know, like they're gonna gutted they're... gutted the minors, mm-hmm. just like slash and burn the draft. And every team, not every team, but a lot of teams are cutting back on player development and scouting. Yeah, we're. I mean, so there's that's that's an interesting thing on its own that maybe we address at some point, like yeah. on another show. But like, I am really fascinated with how this looks when we come out the other end because it's mm-hmm. not going to look the same. One could argue that there were parts of the industry that that you know probably could be streamlined and all that. Sure, but you could also argue uh, you're going to lose something for doing it, and make a mm-hmm. compelling argument that you're going to lose something for doing it, even if that something isn't necessarily uh, an element you could quantify on a spreadsheet or mm-hmm. or in a financial document, right? <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of knowledge of this sport that is going to be booted from this sport yeah. when we're talking about this this time next year. And that, I think that's right. awful. So, yeah, like it, I, I think the sport will be in a, has to be, right? As far as your question was, will it be in a better place next year for having played? Yeah, I think so, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you got to recoup some of the loss. Like, and, and clearly mm-hmm. the, this is a, a, a you know, a, a giant event in the sports history that is, like, going to have serious ramifications moving forward. So anything to blunt or soften that blow is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, you've also seen the sport, the industry, take steps that, you know, are going to hurt it moving yeah. forward. Like you For said, sure. the draft, the, the minors. I, I mean, yeah. these player development people, like mm-hmm. I, I feel, I feel awful for them. These are people who've worked hard to yep. get those spots. They, they, yep. there a lot of them are baseball lifers, and you know mm-hmm. a lot of them, Andy. Like they mm-hmm. these people love the sport. They've made their life in the sport because they love yep. it. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they, uh, and they're like some of the best people in the game, frankly, because these are the guys no one's ever heard of. Yet mm-hmm. a guy like we're just talking about Giolito. Like, mm-hmm. you know, whenever something like that happens, there's like dozens of people that put that guy in that spot to do it. And yep. these are the folks that are losing their jobs. Yep. And it's just terrible. Yeah. And when you think about it, too, like when those when those cuts are made, right, when the draft gets slashed, when player development gets slashed, when scouting gets slashed, where does the money go? Right. It doesn't go to the players. No, no. It doesn't go to the players. And the tickets don't get cheaper either. Yeah, the so gear doesn't get cheaper. That that right. ball cap is still forty bucks. Right, exactly, exactly. So I mean, yeah, I I think it's uh, it's a credit to the sort of nimbleness of you know the the players and a credit to sort of the stubbornness of you know Major League Baseball that they are getting through this and, you know, they're, they're trying to stay safe and all that sort of stuff. And I think the sport is better for having played, but uh, I still think there's going to be a, a big cost, a big cost from all this and not all of it, you know, because of the pandemic. I mean, cutting the draft is not something that, you know, had to happen. No, no. I think um, there's some opportunism yeah. In here. Oh, yeah. And, and never I let, a, to, never I let a good crisis it, go but... to waste. No, well, man. I mean, I mean that's yeah, it's shock like, doctrine stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, there's an opening that was created by this world-altering event. 
And I think there are people in the game that are perfectly fine walking through that open door. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And look, hey, that, and that's the way of the world, though, right? I mean, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's been going on since Machiavelli, and it's going to continue <laughs> on, you know, forever. So it's just, it's, it is what it is. I hate that term, but uh, in this case, it's accurate, man. Like, people are going to sure. leverage pandemics. That's how mm-hmm. it goes. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's such a great question. I love I, the more I think about that, right? Like, yeah, there, there is a great cost to this that, frankly, I don't think anyone can really even fully capture quite yet. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's one of those things that, like, check back in five years. Yeah. And, and where I think you'll see it is let's see the composition of the players on the field. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. guess is that there's going to be a lot of talent that we just don't see. Mm-hmm. Make it to the major leagues because they didn't get a chance. They didn't get the development time. They didn't have the infrastructure in place to take a player that may have been so raw uh, and give them the time to grow into a good player, a good mm-hmm. major league player. And mm-hmm. it's going to show, right? Like, right. We see it now. Okay. We've had players taken out of circulation because of illness and injury. And you mentioned the product. Is it like I think it's better than what it was earlier in the season? Yeah, yeah, it's improved. But like, it's still not like what we should be seeing. And and I think it's more of an indictment on how bad it was that first two. The first two <laughs> weeks were just like, I cannot believe yeah. how bad this is. Like guys are not only <laughs> dropping like flies, but they've yeah. forgotten how to fucking throw the ball to the right base. <laughs> like it, it, it was just. I mean, and the scouts were like going crazy. Like they're texting, ah, like it was just awful. But anyway, like yeah. it's better than that. And that's good. But I think what what's sad is it could be a preview, man. If you look right. forward and like you've got the minors, you've got player development, there's going to be a cost on the field. It's inescapable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there still have been some good performances this year, obviously, which would, which we, uh, we tried to highlight uh, when we did uh, kind of like an all-athletic uh, team we came up with one 28 man uh roster uh mark tried to troll everyone by leaving mike trout off the initial draft but i corrected that uh because if i've learned anything during this pandemic it's that um my uh capacity for being yelled at is not what it used to be and so uh, i'm just i i think i'm over just getting yelled at i'm i you know uh, so I had to correct that. We put Mike Trout on there. But other than that, I mean, Mark, was there anything like when you're just kind of like looking through, you know, you're like looking through fan graphs, looking through baseball reference, you know, watching some games, like were there any performances that kind of surprised you by how uh, good they've been thus far? You know what? David Fletcher for the yeah. Angels. What, what an interesting player that guy is. And, and Look, they've had problems over there, right? Like, I think the bigger story with the Angels is like, I mean, they're one of the most disappointing teams in baseball. Um, you know, and Fletcher, of course, is getting run because their starting shortstop was hurt, right? Andrelton Simmons went down. But, like, this guy, when you look at all the things that he does to win you a ball game, mm-hmm. uh, it's fascinating. And, and he's only going to get better. So, um, like, that stood out to me. I, I you know, this is one of your calls, but Robbie Grossman's a good call. That's a yeah, super underrated good, good baseball yeah. player. I mean, and you could say that about a bunch of the Oakland A's, right? Mark Canna could be on this, frankly. Yeah. Like, if, if Nelson Cruz weren't killing it, right? <laughs> like, and, and we need a DH. Like, I mean, Canna's yeah. in that mix, you know? But mm-hmm. Canna can play all those outfield positions, too. I mean, he's played a lot of DH, but 
Anyway, that's a good underrated player of that Robbie Grossman uh, mold. So I'm glad to see him make mm-hmm. it on here. Um, you know, Mike Trout was just a straight up mistake on my part. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Like I just like you probably didn't see the original original draft, but it was in there. In fact, yeah. I'd put like a slash where it was uh, Yastrzemski, uh, mm-hmm. another outfielder, and then Trout. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I think I deleted it. And, like I was, oh, I'll just get back to it later. <laughs> But then, like, I said, and it's, like, it's funny because I remember having the active thought, like, dang, like, Trot should have had a kid earlier. Because if you look at, like, when he comes back from paternity leave, he's, like, you yeah. know, like, this whole, even for him, like, this next level Trout. So, yeah. um, you know, Pedro Severino is surprising. Like, yeah. and it's probably not sustainable. He's an Orioles catcher. Um, and if you look at all the stat cast stuff, like, this ain't what he is, obviously. Mm-hmm. But even if he comes back to earth a bit, like that might be something for them. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like they've got a couple of guys like that on that roster. So that was a surprising guy. Um, you know, but I think like overall, and obviously, look, Mikey Stramski is one of the best stories in baseball right now. That's that's pretty wild what, what's gone on with him. Uh, I mean, maybe the Giants are good. I don't know. But like, um, you know, Stramski was interesting. But like, I, I think there are some positions here where the depth is incredible. Yeah. Okay. So, like, okay, here, uh, you pick Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts, <laughs> mm-hmm. Charlie Blackman, yeah. right? Like, just, yeah. Like, you know, do you really Tough. go wrong? I mean, like, you know, I know Charlie Blackman's cooled off a bit since that ridiculous start, but that's mm-hmm. still a great ball player, mm-hmm. right? Like, despite like that otherworldly performance he had the first month, he's still someone mm-hmm. you'd like on your club. So, tough to go wrong there bunch of great third basemen in baseball right now too like and that that's sort of weird like i feel like there was a long long time where man just there weren't any there weren't yeah. like a lot of standout third basemen and like you know there's like probably 10 that you'd be very happy with if they play it on your team right now so yeah i mean it's a it's a it's probably the deepest position in terms of star power in the sport i would say i don't know maybe it's yeah. incre- i mean yeah it's I still, yeah you know what shortstop is too Shortstop Actually, yeah. and like then, and what's yeah. cool about shortstop is that you got a bunch of guys that do it differently. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different players at that position that all amount to good players at that position. Mm-hmm. Like they, so I mean, obviously Tatis is number one on that list, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Tim Anderson, where does he rank? That's a really good ball player, and he, right. you could argue, he's not even in the top four. You know, right. like I mean, which is crazy. That just tells you how deep that position is. So, yeah. Well, when you got Story Seager. Uh, you know, Correa. Dude, Marcus uh, Simeon played every single game last year mm-hmm. for the Oakland yeah. A's for a playoff team mm-hmm. and was a very good player. And yeah. like, look, you just named guys that like I mean, Simeon didn't even pop up yet. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a deep position. So that was kind of fun to see, like to, to kind of get a sense yeah. of which, which spots are deeper or not. Now you did the pitching end of this. Yeah, like, I just hey, want to say fun, fun little fact about David Fletcher is that I I believe I have been playing online poker with him throughout the pandemic, <laughs> uh, and he's pretty good. Really? Uh, he yeah he like I I botched a hand against him the other night in a way that was he played it perfectly fine like he played it uh, like he didn't do anything uh, you know remarkable but he just played it like smart and I just botched it in such a embarrassing fashion that i think i'm gonna take like a full week off i just i wow made a mistake on almost every street it was really bad wow have really you ever bad. done that before yeah. like mess up so badly that you took a one week like just yes compro- really oh yeah i've taken like a month off before wow yeah. 
I've t- yeah, I've like walked out of the casino in LA and just been like, well, I'm not, I'm not coming back here for a long time. Uh, and it's all just, it's all just, you know, because of like mistakes that I'm making. Like I, I don't, I, I get, I, pr- I probably get as irritated by bad beats as anyone as like the average person, but I am way more like I grind way harder on like, uh, mistakes that i'm making like that's that, interesting that, yeah it's very so i i botched this one so bad that i have no one to blame but myself do, um, do you tend to make the same types of mistakes when you're playing poker or do they yeah. are they all over the place no it's it's pretty it's pretty common i i i tilt way uh way more than i should um and i'm like aware of it and i just can't stop. I have, you know, I, I struggle with impulse control to begin with as you know, my diet would, uh, explain. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I have bad tilt control. Um, I, uh, I don't think through hands enough in the moment. Uh, a lot of times I will either not formulate a plan mid, you know, during a hand or I will, um, Either I won't formulate a hand, a plan during a hand, or I will follow a plan even when traveling along the plan. It becomes clear it's not going to work. Hmm. Um, so just you know, I'm not very good at poker, is what I'm trying to say. So that's anyway, David, Fle- David yeah. Fletcher, though I believe, uh, is pretty decent. Uh, so I did the pitchers, and uh, where there was a couple things I wanted to have. You know, we wanted to do 14 and 14. And I wanted to have a, you know, a representative number of relievers. But then I realized what in God's name, like how in God's name are you supposed to choose between all of these relievers? Like, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I have no yeah. idea. Like how, you know. tell me how to pick between, you know, guys who have made 15 appearances. Like it's, it's insane. So uh, went with uh, James Karinchak and Liam Hendricks as the two uh, relief choices. I had Nick Anderson and Drew Pomerantz on there in an original draft, but they both got hurt over the weekend. So we cut them and then added Robbie Grossman and Mike Trout. But yeah, I mean, the, one of the interesting things, in combing through this list that I enjoyed for the pitchers was just the variety of guys. Like, as you mentioned, um, you know, when you're talking about short stops, but, you know, thinking about like the way a Shane Bieber pitches compared to the way a Zach Greinke pitches Greinke whose fastball is sitting 87 and hasn't given up a homer yet this year. Um, you know, someone like Lance Lynn who nine out of every 10 pitches fastball, versus you Darvish who throws, you know, nine different types of pitches. I mean, so it's just, you know, it's cool. There's a lot of guys working at a high level right now. Bieber is one of them. Darvish is one of them. Lynn has been really, really good and really for his entire career, but has kind of uh, starting to get more acclaim these past couple of years. Um, you know, Max Freed was actually the only member of the Harvard Westlake rotation to make the team because Flaherty has a pitch enough and Giolito uh, sequenced his no hitter uh, too late. <laughs> um, so, you know, like it's, uh, it's the sort of thing that there's a lot of guys who you would like to see start a postseason game. Uh, which is cool. Uh, and I guess all of them probably will because every team is going to make the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like how it's going to go, right? Well, you, you mentioned Freed. The, the, I mean, look, this is a good list. There's a lot of great pitchers on this list, and then you could add a couple more even. like it, It's been fun to watch some of these guys stick out in such a bizarre season, right? Because like, starting pitchers especially are so routine-oriented. 
that I, I'm like shocked at how many like top flight performers we've seen. Like the, the fact that Bauer and Bieber and, and you know Sonny Gray that they're doing this despite the fact that routines are just all messed up is super impressive. Mm-hmm. But to me, the most impressive guy is Freed. Because, like we mentioned, Soroka going down is one of those yeah. great pitchers that, that went down for the season. Um, how many other pitchers do you think that started a game for the Braves this year uh, has an ERA plus of over a hundred? So Oof. Freed is at like two two something. Like I mean, he's at three sixty one. Three sixty one. Okay, so <laughs> wow, what three sixty one? Yeah. Damn. All right. So he's been great, clearly. So <laughs> how many other starting pitchers do you oh, think man. on that club? Has a, as an, an ERA plus of, of 100 or, or better. So league average num- or better. The number appears to be zero. There's like one. Yeah. And I, yeah, I can't remember. And he, he started two games. And so it's Oh, like, it's, jo- uh, it's Josh Tomlin. Is it? Oh, my gosh. So there you yeah. go. Like, I mean, that's incredible. So the, the yeah. Braves, with this disaster, mm-hmm. as far as like their pitching goes, and, and Soroka was so huge for them. He goes down. What Freed has done in that context is so mm-hmm. impressive. To me and you yeah. know he's not like a guy you know to your point about doing it differently he's probably not even striking out anywhere close to 10 per nine i would mm-hmm. think right like it's probably somewhere like eight i haven't looked at uh, it in a bit but it's uh it's a shade under nine yeah 8.7 okay 30, so 33 like, 33 guys in 34 innings so that's not a lot right no. and he's come from the left side and like but but look what he's done i mean he's, he's mm-hmm. a young guy he's he basically has taken the staff, put it on his shoulders, mm-hmm. and and the Braves are are getting it done because mm-hmm. he's stabilized or at least provided some stability uh, to that staff. So, um, yeah, I've been really impressed with what he's done in that context for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back. So, if the season ended today, the Braves would play the Cardinals who are a game over 500. The Cubs would play the Rockies, who are 500. And the Dodgers would play the Giants, who are a game under 500, but are only a game under 500 because they beat the Dodgers last night. Um, How nervous do you – well, actually, do you think Major League Baseball is nervous about the chance for sort of like historic spoilers in October? Do, oh will they God. care? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You think so? Okay. I mean, you imagine the nightmare – and here's the thing. Let me, let me paint you a picture. <laughs> Tampa Bay-San Diego World oh, Series. Yeah. Oh, like, is yeah. that really that difficult to see, no matter how those teams enter the postseason, for them to come out their, of their respective leagues holding a pennant? Is that really that difficult to see? No, it's not. It's mm-hmm. not. So, and they knew that. Like, that's part of the price that you, you pay for uh, expanding the playoff pool and having more fan bases engaged is that you're opening the door for more variants, right? Yeah. So, uh if I'm the Dodgers, it's like, God, you know? It's, yeah. Like, <laughs> they're really good. First of all, dude, you know what? You and I had a conversation probably two weeks ago where you're like, the Dodgers are clearly the best team in the sport by a significant margin. Yeah. And I pushed back a bit. I was like, I mean, yeah, I agree. They're really good. They're probably the best team in the sport. Is the margin significant? I don't know. And then, like, all these teams that, like, I thought would be in that mix, like, got banged up or started playing poorly. So, yes, you're right. They're the best team right now by a significant margin. Yet... Yeah. They also, I feel like, face a bunch of threats in that league that could be that total pain in the ass eight seed that could give them a problem, mm-hmm. and 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 that's 
you know, and I don't even think it's the Giants per se. It's teams like Milwaukee. Uh, yeah. That's that's a club or San Diego. Like, cause San Diego mm-hmm. can like cool off, kind of refine right. its level, but still sneak in. But do right. you really want Denelson Lamette against you in, in in the first game of a playoff series? No, you right. don't want that. Who wants right. that, right? So, um, right. It, well, how many like how many times do you remember just years on the beat where like you? watched a series where one player like swung the weekend you know like like one guy hits three homers or something or one guy just goes crazy you know like I remember like the I, I remember the Mets like playing a series against the Rockies in 2011 where like Tulo just went completely you know bonkers and ran them over right and it's like who's to say Fernando Tatis couldn't do that for a weekend you know who's to say like at this point you know Mike Yastrzemski couldn't do that for a weekend, you know, to the Dodgers. Like it's just to, to inject that level of variance into this postseason could have like really, really problematic outcomes for, you know, people interested in TV ratings and uh, you know, fan interests, you know, going into, going into the world series. Dude, how about what Jose, like the Cubs have played really good baseball in general, yeah. despite mm-hmm. having some issues. And I think David Ross has done a really nice job. Mm-hmm. Over there, right? In fact, he's like my manager of the year when I did my, uh, you know, mid-season awards this morning. So, man, if there's one award that should not exist this year, it's manager of the year <laughs> because because we we should we shouldn't. I mean, I actually I mean, we don't need to get into this. Like, we shouldn't. I don't vote for any awards, but whatever. And no one cares about my opinion. But like, we have no idea who's a good manager or who is. Oh God, we should like don't. the the writers. We, we just don't. It's just impossible for us to know. Like it just, it's, and so, I mean, how do you know David? Like, I'm, I think the Cubs are doing a good job, but you have no idea well, I'll how give, David I'll, Ross is. You I'll give you one example. I'll give you one. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay. So first of all, like that's, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you there. Yeah. Like that, that is a layer that we're missing this yeah. year. So, but there are ways you can at least get a feel for it. And one of them is just watching them play. Like they, mm-hmm. they, you know, again, like I'm not saying they play great ball the entire year. Like they've had their periods there. Like after a strong start, they cool off a bit, whatever. But like they've played with energy. Like the fact mm-hmm. that they're pissing other teams off in their dugout <laughs> by just being loud and sounding like they're having fun. Did you see the opening weekend? Milwaukee, yeah. those guys got pissed. And, and it turned out it's because those guys are just having too much fun. Like, I think that reflects well on the manager. Uh, you know, okay, Charlie Montoya, right? Like, mm-hmm. Toronto is basically a barnstorming team this year. Like, you can say they're playing, quote-unquote, home games in Baltimore. They're not, all right? That's where they mm-hmm. happen to play some games that are designated as home games. But that's a road city, too. And the fact that they're, you know, playing competitive baseball um, and, and have some guys hurt, you know, despite that, like, that's... I think that reflects well on him too. So I, you know, like I caught an end of uh, the end of a Rays game this weekend, and Kevin Biggio is at the plate, and Tampa being Tampa's got four outfielders out there, and and Lau was one of him. He's standing in right center field. There's a 26th out of the game. Ball goes up in the air. Like Biggio takes a decent swing at it. Lau doesn't even move. Like, just he's standing exactly at the spot. Anyway, like that stuff doesn't happen by accident. You need a manager that is in place that, that's able to convey these directions, able to, like, get players to buy into doing different things. So, I, like, yeah, you're not in the clubhouse or whatever. But, like, I think there are still snippets that you can pick up on to at least get a sense of, hey, this guy's, you know, part of the solution. This guy's, you know, facilitating something. Yeah. So Kevin Cash I'm not, is that I'm guy not, to look, me. 
again, I'm not saying David Ross isn't a good manager. Like, it, the team's playing well. seems like his players like him. It seemed like they turned a page in the spring. You know, it seemed like – like, all those sorts of things. I am just pointing out the sort of uh, fallacy of writers spread around the country trying <laughs> to determine who is a good manager when we just genuinely have no idea. That is true. No, that's so, – And it's, it's all just – the award is normally just based on, like, okay, whose team got hurt the most. Or, or expectations. Team, yeah, whose team, right? you know. Like, you could argue, like, you know, Jace Tingler's the manager of the year. <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> you could do that. Oh, my God. After that epic fail. Yeah. After, Jace like, the Tingler guy sort of, the guy of the bungled, year. like, his one moment in the in the spotlight. He, oh, he, he might be the manager of the year. He might be he doing might a great be. He job. might be. And he would turn around and thank Tatis and Crony for it. <laughs> Cro- Crony's staying hot, man. Crone zone, baby. Oh, the, the crone zone. The crone zone. Uh, so if you were the Dodgers, the team you would be worried about is Milwaukee, you think? Yeah, like, I, so this is totally subjective, obviously, but mm-hmm. when I watch them, right? like they clearly Milwaukee, by had, the way, is two games under. Yeah, <laughs> they've, they have had issues. Like, Lorenzo Kane opts out. That hurts yeah. him bad. Uh, Yelich has just yeah. not been very good. That hurts him bad. Um, but you know what? Like, that's I still don't think that's an accurate reflection of what these guys actually are. Cause at some point, yeah, mm-hmm. just going to break out of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, Avi Garcia has been playing center field for him. Like not ideal, but like, he's been fine. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I think they've had some like really funky underperformance there. That doesn't make yeah. sense that I would think would turn around. And so I also think Craig council is a really good manager. You get to the postseason, It becomes about feel for like managing your leverage yeah. innings. And like, if you, yeah. if, if we're going to play that game, like that's my number one guy I'm betting on to do it. Right. right. He, te- he tends to put guys in the right spot. Yeah. So to me, that's a massive, massive pain potentially because yeah. they could sneak in even, even they don't get any better. They could, you could have an NL team in there at two games under at the end of the year. And if it's Milwaukee, right. I don't like that. Like I, I just, right. if I'm the Dodgers like that, I don't want to deal with this, you know, a team that like might not be playing really well, but is well run and has still mm-hmm. some really good players on it, including one of the best ones on the planet and Christian Yelich. Right. Well, what, you know, even like, you know, the Mets, right. They're not playing particularly well. They're not a particularly good team, but, for a three-game series, one of those games is going to be started by Jacob DeGrom. That's right. So, That's like, right. you know, all of a sudden it's kind of a coin flip. Yep. And by the way, a bullpen that has pitched a lot better. Yeah. Okay. So like they're just, they're not yeah. totally in the wilderness. It looks like it because that's just how it is with them sometimes. But right. You know, like I, I still don't like. I mean, if you're gonna tell me, uh, you know, Pete Alonso is not gonna hit for power this year, like I'm not taking that. I mean, he's obviously going to at some point be that yeah. guy. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. So like they've got a bunch of dudes like that there. That that could be a real pain. Philadelphia. I know that I sounds mean, insane. No, the thing is, you know, is like, but Philly could no, be that. There is no. There's no team in baseball, really. There's like four teams in Pittsburgh baseball. isn't going to be a threat to anybody. Would, Andy. But but every other team besides like Pittsburgh, you know, like the Mariners, um, you know, the Angels are awful. But I, I don't particularly understand that. But anyway, like I don't almost either. every team, almost every team in baseball, you would not be thrilled about having your postseason fate be decided in a three-game series against them because no. there's just so much variance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it just you know i don't i don't know like, which punishes uh, you the better the team that you are right yeah, like you're more right. harshly like the dodgers and tampa bay and the you know yeah. and the yankees when they're not banged up 
those are the teams that get punished by yeah. it, right? The and Cubs. if you're the Dodgers, you should be you should be absolutely furious that they're you know that they've expanded the playoffs and with the idea that they might expand the playoffs in the future. Yeah. For sure, because it reduces it reduces the ins- the reason why I'm like very strongly against anti or strongly against expanded playoffs and and the reason why um, I think that the wild card game while it has produced some really remarkable like individual games has had a net negative uh, on like baseball is because it reduces the incentive for teams to try and build super teams and super teams are like the best part of baseball essentially yeah. I think is like is teams. Like the pursuit of a super team is the is the best part of baseball. So that you assemble rosters that are, you know, like stocked to the gills with talent, whether that's assembled through, you know, spending or, you know, the draft or, you know, whatever sort of alchemy the Rays do to turn up, you know, random guys. Um, but know, are they a super team though? Like even if Tampa Bay plays it perfect, because I, I get what you're saying. Like the, uh, they're I mean, not, can you call them that? Like that, I, what the Rays Not to are, take anything the, away from them, by the way, no, they're no, really good. What the I mean, Rays are, and this is a, a, you know, this is part of the continuum that, you know, started with, uh, like Matt Silverman and Andrew Friedman and has passed on to Hein Bloom and now, you know, to, you know, and I'm Bloom and Eric Neander and now just to Eric Neander is like they, they find guys in a way that other teams try and emulate. And so the Rays to me are like a discount version of the Dodgers. Uh, in that it's a little different with the Dodgers now because having added Mookie Betts, they have a superstar type talent that they kind of uh, had been lacking in like 16 and 17 um, and 18. You know, Bellinger played that role a little bit last year, but it's the idea that like you're going to have 40 good players on your 40 man. Mm-hmm. And when guys get, when someone goes down, you're not going to bring up, you know, like Steve Shitballer to start uh, in his place. <laughs> you're going to have someone. Who can like actually pitch and like they might not be ready for the moment you know they might like like i remember like you know the dodgers bringing up caleb ferguson a few years ago to like start on a spot start and it was like the kid clearly wasn't ready he was a little overwhelmed but like it wasn't like he was a 33 year old guy who was you know on his way out of the sport Um, now that has some issues in terms of like you know pushing out uh, you know, veteran type players, but I think in general, what it does is it 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 it, it incentivizes young players, and that they they know that there's a chance that they perform. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I view the Rays. I don't know if the Rays are a super team, but I view them as a like a you know, uh, the Dodgers on sale. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, so like that's an interesting way to phrase it, right? Like, is a super team this idea that they're the best part about the sport, and I think. In an ideal world, sure, sure that would be. But I just think there's so many differences in the markets that are just inescapable. We can talk about how wrong it is that it's that way. We can talk about how virtually every owner can actually spend whatever the hell they want. Okay, like they can't. Right, but that's the thing. But here's the thing, though. If you if you if you let teams get into the playoffs by winning 84 games, then owners won't be incentivized to spend. But they aren't anyway. Like they almost aren't anyway. For, by well, and get large, rid of the wild, I mean, get rid of the wild know? card game. Make it so four teams make the playoffs. Yeah, I, uh, well, I kind of like the setup the way it is. Like I, I get your point, and like I'm totally, I understand it. It's just, you know, maybe this is just also like the bias of having grown up rooting for a team that was never going to spend money. 
you know, like, yeah. and actually at one point had spent money, which is funny. Like the A's back in the day, the Niners didn't spend you know, a lot. When stop you were a kid. it! Stop! Stop! I mean, Jerry actually, Rice they, had to be expensive. They did spend a they lot did, of money. They did. They did um, let. They did let Joe Montana go. So. They they did that. They did that. But they had Steve Young ready, and and that's and, right. You know, next man up. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then after him, it was uh, Steve Bono. Actually. No, it was not Steve Bono. No, that no. When Steve Young like missed like half a season one year, Bono uh, most of the season one year, Bono went and took him to ten and six. Yeah, Jeff um, Garcia was the starter after Steve Young. Right. Yes, he was pretty good too. Anyway, like I, I mean, <laughs> I I just wonder like, uh, you know, if you view the sport as like okay, the pursuit of super teams, and I think that's a very big market centric way to look at it. Which and there's nothing wrong with that. I also just wonder like if you're you know, a fan of one of these teams in another market that's just so dispiriting, you know, because like Tampa Bay can be really good, but they're mm-hmm. never going to be a super team. And the same that Minnesota Twins can be really good and never be a super team. So like, why? why not? I don't know. I, well, we know that they're not going to spend the money. And like, that's a different thing. Why altogether. not? That's a different thing altogether. Like, that's just well, that, that dream, that's like, you know, Mark, Mark dream to imagine. You know, like you need to have a growth mindset. Do you no, have a vision board near you? Is that you're looking at like, yeah, I get that. Look, I, I get that the, you know, the economics of the sport, you know, say this, that, and the other about like how much money you can spend, but it's also a false construct. We don't see the books. And if baseball was such a, you know, marginal enterprise, then all these guys would just sell their investments. And right. Get no, I know. Like, it's clearly and I did, a great and I grant business. You this they clearly point. can I, spend more. I grant what? you that. I grant you all yeah, of that. Yeah, but they should be incentivized to spend more. Yeah, I, I just don't think it'll ever quite play out that way. Unfortunately, that which well, is you dream know. to imagine. <laughs> I should dream uh, more. Yeah, you should. Well, uh, we got to wrap up, but thank you everyone for listening. This was a fun one. Uh, if you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash beyond the scrum and get 40% off for a one year subscription. We will be back next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye.